forgot to uh, bring up I wanted to do an opening so we're gonna edit this but the funny thing is if I'm editing it we'll edit this out but if you're editing this it won't be edited out but anyways that's absolutely true <laughs> so give me one second hello and welcome to the podcast I am talking like this to denote importance tuna fish sandwich trampoline that is a callback to season one DuckTales episode I don't remember the title but it's about golf. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Prince Devin with my beautiful co-host. Oh, this episode is going to be fucking insufferable. <laughs> um, my name is Amber Autumn. She, her. Devin, we never use your pronouns. What are your pronouns? Uh, Should we assume any? Don't ask, don't tell. I am, a, I am an amorphous eldritch being whose gender cannot begin to be comprehended by your two-dimensional okay, mind. Okay, well, then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna fucking not, re- not refer you with any pronouns during any of our promotional materials to the point where it gets annoying. <laughs> Go for it. The subreddit will hate us. Okay, um, cool. Welcome to, uh, uh, fucking, uh, uh, shit. Uh, our original podcast, Do Not Steal, is a podcast where every week Amber Autumn and I discuss at length a intellectual property, folk, lore, everything that exists in the universe and create an original character within that space. And today we're going over DuckTales. Woo! Very specifically, 2017 DuckTales. We'll get into it in a second. And Amber, fun fact, this episode might run a uh, might be the first of many that run a little long because ducktales is very important to me so please indulge me in the opening diatribe where i talk for length about ducktales <laughs> i um i do want to i do want to get in while i still have a chance to talk i do just want to say i want to let it i want to make it known i want people to be aware i just want to say I can't fucking believe I let you trick me into doing a wrestling episode. Didn't I? Didn't I do it? I'm I'm so fucking upset. I'm livid. <laughs> so, uh, for context, for the for the listeners back home, um, uh, Devin has seen every fucking episode of this show, um, and I uh, hadn't seen any. And so Devin was like, "Well, in order to prepare for the for the podcast." I'm going to send you, like, the one critical episode. Like, the one episode you need to have seen. Season 3, episode 7. Um, and you'll never fucking guess what the gimmick of that episode was. Was it... Was it Norse mythology and wrestling? I can't... We also... We keep going back to the Norse mythology well. Like, the show is not that old. And we keep going back to... Like... Like, it's weird how often white nationalism comes up with us, right? It just feels like we're, we're, we're really giving them mixed signals here. It's an ever-present issue in America. We, we keep taking the piss out of them, but also we keep covering their favorite things. It's a, it's very, it's a very confused fan base that we have. Okay, that was it. I've gotten that out of my system. Um, okay, so... DuckTales. Woo! Where to start with DuckTales? This show that I love so much. So my old pitch around season one, when I was trying to get people to watch the show, was it's arguably the best case scenario for a reboot that has love and admiration for everything that came before it. And halfway into season two, I stopped pitching it that way because it kind of felt disrespectful, which is... An interesting juxtaposition because it's uh, 
clearly a theme of the show, how much they love the legacy of DuckTales. Uh, Matt Youngberger and Francisco talk about it all the time. Uh, They constantly bring up legacy. But for my money, I haven't read the Karl Barks comics. I haven't seen the original DuckTales. I don't care about those. I care about this Huey, this Louie, this Dewey. I care about Della Duck and David Tennant's Scrooge McDuck, and this is my favorite Donald. I love this DuckTales, and it means so much to me. And so I really, I really will watch David Tennant in anything. Um, I didn't know he was in this until I watched the episode, um, and that was honestly the strongest sales pitch that I got from the episode that I watched. Um, so I could talk at length about the, the theming of the show and the natural progression of ideas that exists within DuckTales, starting from Carl Barks, whose claim to fame was taking Donald Duck and said, what if he's an adventurer? And we gave him three dimensions and characters leading into Don Rosa comics, who was like, okay, what if we lay out the Duck family and it's we keep going with that making these people three-dimensional but we introduce lineage and this is why the mcduckberg i mean the mcduck and duck family are painfully laid out we know every single member of that family it's insane to the 80s show which was (laughs) what if it was a sitcom like a family sitcom and we play family over lineage to 2017 ducktales and quote from francisco the executive the co-executive producer and story editor the core of this version of DuckTales is the family dynamic. So all of that exists, and I'm going to talk about that when I write a video essay, but... <laughs> Which, given how long it fucking takes to between recording these and releasing them, might already be out at this point. <laughs> uh, but I do feel like uh, sometimes in media discussion we get hung up on like themes and symbolism and all these like fun brain work things. But I don't think that's why stories stick with you. Um, No one really gives a shit that half of the monsters in Silent Hill 2 are metaphors for sexual frustration. That's not why the gut punch of the ending hits you. It's because it strikes an emotional chord with you. And when I think about DuckTales, I do think about those things because it's intrinsically linked to the creative process. But it's all of these intensely human moments from the show about animated ducks it's Dewey not telling his brothers why he's looking for his mom the the it's the multi-layered motivation and when he tells them the front-facing one Huey knows his brother too well and he can pull out the more selfish reason he uh, the more selfish reason he had for not telling them why he was looking for his mom it's when you first meet Della and each of the boys are okay but because of who Louie is a more cynical schemer, he's convinced it's a trick at first, and it takes him a second to to hug his mom. It's it's Della Duck at the season finale being upset that Donald's gonna leave because she didn't just lose ten years with the boys; she lost ten years with her brother. It's Gyro Gear Loose saying that Boyd is definitely a real boy, and I tear up every time. I love this show so much. Um, so instead, I want to talk about the characters for a bit and kind of run through them and give as brief as I can uh, summarations of them. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, and I was just drinking some water. Oh, God. <coughs> Amber, I'm running this out. 
If I'm editing, if I'm editing, that shit stays in. Oh god, I, I have to edit this one. I, I refuse to let you. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, when it comes to the Duck family, we have Huey, Louie, and Dewey, and Webby. It's right. Webby is a central is a central figure in the show in a way she's not in the original '80s cartoon, where she was just ew girl. Um, but it's the best version of Ducktales for having Huey and Louie, Huey, Huey, Dewey, and Louie being distinct personalities because in the original they're not. But with Huey, uh, they kind of go by sibling sibling psychology. So, like, you know, oldest, middle, youngest child, that thing. Uh, but Huey is a uh, is autism coded and a uh, straight laced junior woodchuck. Do it by the duck. Do it by the book. He likes things orderly and neat. Uh, he, but he is interestingly enough the one who gets the Donald Duck anger. We'll get to the Donald Duck anger because it's one. It's the reason this is my favorite Donald Duck. But he gets that. And it's fun. I love Huey. Huey loves love. If there's an episode where characters are dating, Huey screaming about it. Dewey Duck, who uh, the best elevator pitch for him is done by his voice actor, Ben Schwartz. I forgot to talk about voice actors, but this show has so many good ones, and it's a great time. Uh, But when Ben Schwartz describes Dewey, he just describes him as Leroy Jenkins. And yeah, that's more succinct than anything I'm going to say. But I will go on. Dewey's great. He's the showboating middle child who wants to be seen and noticed, and he's the one who's looking for his mom in season one, because each season is kind of given to the boys until the third season, where it kind of gets given to Webby halfway through. We'll get into it later, maybe. Maybe we won't. So season one is Dewey, season two is Louie, season three is Huey, and kind of Webby. And there's this dreamscape episode that has a lot of fun visual gags, but you get to learn a lot about the boys. And in Dewey's dreamscape, it's a high school where he is the main character in a high school sitcom and they go past this one room where it's Dewey on a crescent moon made of his own tears and he's crying and goes I don't know what this room's about (laughs) it's a shame you're sort of pitching me on the show and now I'm like I kind of want to watch it but if I watch it then I watched it after we did our DuckTales episode you know yeah uh, it is yeah, funny. hey man if I can convince one person to watch DuckTales I'll have done a good job uh, then there's Llewellyn, who might be my favorite. It's a toss-up all the time. It changes with the day. But Louis is the slacker middle child. And um, they all kind of represent an element of Scrooge, because Scrooge McDuck is, he got his fortune by being uh, tougher than the toughies, smarter than the smarties, sharper than the sharpies. And he did it fair. And Webby's the did it fair. So Huey is the smarter, Dewey is the tougher Louie is the sharper. Um, but Louie gets a whole thing where, uh, very, very important for Louie is he's not, he's not meta, but he understands the world he lives in better than everyone. So there's an adventure and he's like, can we get on with this? I know what's going to happen. It's going to be, what? A magic cursed item? Oh no, a trap. Louie almost dies. I want to go home. And then Scrooge is like, it's not that callable. And then it plays out exactly like that. Uh, so he gets a thing where he's he doesn't understand his dynamic in the family because he's not good at adventuring. He's good at talking his way out. And what happens when that's not enough? And that's what a lot of season two is about. Also about Della Duck, because just so much is being handled in every season. Uh, Webby Vanderquack, who is great. I love Webby. Webby is, a brief summary, is if Mabel was competent at what she could do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
They both get her. They both even have grappling hook guns. Webby is also voiced Gross. by uh, one half of Garfunkel and Oates. That's a fun fact. Cool. Uh, I love Webby. She's great. Her whole thing is she spent her whole life in the McDuck Mansion, and she is fascinated by the McDuck family and wants desperately to be a member of the family. And she gets in pretty easy because the boys are cool. Um, there's a there's a moment that really hurts when Scrooge McDuck. Uh, says this is a family matter and you're not family and he points to webby and ooh, it hurts oh think about it getting goosebumps i love webby she's she's crazy and the one who is going to be an adventurer because she's really very good at this because her granny agent 22 um is like garnet i think that's an easy way to sum up agent 22 but you know the like six foot strong cold woman who when uh the ghosts of christmas past present and future shows up she's making out with death because Granny, you don't fuck with Granny. She's super cool. Then there's uh, Violet, who is Webby's friend, who's introduced in season two because we get a girl trio. Um, but Violet's black-coated, and her thing is she, like Huey, is straight-laced and by the books. But when the magic war happens, she realizes that magic exists, and it's canon, and there is a whole other world of by the book that she didn't explore. And instead of letting that break her, uh, she puts her nose to the grindstone and decides to discover magic. And that's how her and Webby meet because Webby's other best friend, Lena, gets stuck in the Shadow Realm because Lena is the kid who's too cool for school and she's got the pink dye in her hair. Um, but I want to I wanna just, I want to real quick, I just want to highlight how funny it is that, like, like, you go around your life and then something magical happens and you realize magic is canon. Like, I hate it when I realize that <laughs> magic is canon in the world. I think I'd have a lot more fun if I was like, oh, Loki is real. She doesn't, it's not that, it's not that she realizes that magic is real, it's that she realizes that it's canon. <laughs> it's canon, it counts. <laughs> I have to care about the continuity. <laughs> Gonna start referring to things in the real world that way. Oh, that's a great, um, that's a great one. That's going on a shirt. It's canon. Uh, but, I'm sorry, please, go on. Yeah, no. Violet. Uh, Libby. Lena. Uh, Lena, I'm so sorry. Lena, a lot of her, she has a lot of identity issues in finding out who she is because she's Magic of Dispel's niece, kind of, sort of, maybe. It's up in the air whether or not she's a niece or just a shadow puppet, but uh, yeah, she's Magic of Dispel's niece, and we get to Magic of Dispel when we get to villains. Fun fact about Magic of Dispel, she's voiced by a Doctor Who alum, who was the ginger one who hung out with David Tennant, and they just had a lot Donna. of... Donna! Yeah, Donna, that's Magic to Spell. Donna! Get ready for the Doctor Who episode that comes in, like, like a month or two from now. Which um, which means a year. Well, we, we, we release them way staggered, but we actually make them at about the same rate we release them. So... I actually don't think it'll be that long if I can keep up on my rewatch. I'm through season one... Anyway, sorry, that's not important right now. Yeah, anyways, uh, Lena, but yeah, Lena's the one who's too cool for school, and she struggles with who she is and whether or not she's a good person. The The Dreamscape episode where you learn a lot about the boys is all about her internal conflict, and it's great. Um, and then you get Uncle Donald! And this is my favorite version of Donald Duck, because we answer, uh, why is Donald Duck angry? Would it be a spoiler to, to tell us why Donald Duck is, is so angry? Uh, no, because the reason Donald Duck is angry, um, are the heart and soul of Donald Duck. And that goes back to Donald's original theme song, Who's the Duck Who Gets Stuck With All the Bad Luck? It's Donald. So Donald's anger, 
stems from that, A, having the worst luck in the world, so he's convinced that the world is out to get him, and B, living in a world that doesn't understand him because he's Donald Duck. And so then that anger gets uh, positively focused the best that Donald Duck can to a to a parental instinct because Donald knows that the world is cruel and pianos fall on you and wants desperately to protect mm-hmm. his boys. And so all the outbursts he get are when things come for the boys. And I love this Donald for that. Also, uh, Daisy Duck. Uh, this fixes their relationship because their relationship mostly exists as a juxtaposition between Minnie and Mickey having a perfect relationship and Donald and Daisy don't. Haha, <laughs> that's funny. But this version of DuckTales doesn't have a Mickey Mouse, so there's no Minnie to juxtapose, so they have to be a couple. And it's not love at first sight, but the heart and soul of their relationship is they get stuck in an elevator and Donald's like, No one can understand me. That was terrible. <laughs> but yeah, Donald's like, No one can understand me. And Daisy goes, Well, that's weird. I can understand you just fine. She's the one person in the world who can understand him, and it's beautiful. Then there is Della Duck, who is Donald's sister and the mother of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Uh, this is the fir- not the first time she shows up. The first time she shows up is in Don Rosa comics, but it's the first time she's uh, being able to give a character. And her episode with the moon, man, you know, people a lot will be like, oh, Devin, you're so hard to please. You're such a hypercritical person. And I don't know what the fuck you're talking about because you put, you slap some lyrics on the DuckTales moon theme and I'm fucking crying, okay? But the thing about Della Duck is... Uh, do people say that about you? Do people say that you're hypercritical and hard to please? Yeah, like, fucking, like, family members, whenever I'm like, yeah, you know, the DC movies aren't good, and they're like, oh, fuck, unpleasable. I'm like, yeah, you can please me, just don't make shit. Just don't shit in my mouth and okay. tell me it's good. Okay, so, so when you say people say you're unpleasable, what you mean is that, is that it, it, it's the people who don't apply critical eyes to anything <laughs> that they watch. That kind of a... Yes... But Della Duck, um, I think she's uh, best summer. Oh, uh, there was this. She has a really cute parallel with Louie Duck in that she can see all the angles because her best friend Penumbra, when they first meet, when Della Duck is stranded on the moon, um, she's like, "Come on, Penny. I know how this works. We first meet each other. We don't like each other. We go through an adventure, have a, have some bond, and now we're best friends. Can we just skip to the part where we're best friends?" And Penny's like, "No, I hate you." But Della's like, "Ah, you're my best friend, Penny." Ah, it's it's great. Um, but I think the easiest way to summarize Della is Della, uh, when gets stranded on Moon, um, loses her leg. She's an amputee, and she has to build a new leg from robot parts, and her reaction on the video messages she records for her kids is, Hey, kids, check it out. I got a sweet new robot leg. I love, yeah. I love Della. She's great. Uh, she's voiced by a community alum, the the boring lady from the last season i don't know if i ever made it to the last season oh it's a uh, eh, eh. right that's what i hear <laughs> yeah everyone who everyone who says eh, is right um and then did you know donald duck has cousins um i didn't know that but you did start off by saying that we know exhaustively every part of the family tree so yes he has two cousins that are important for this one who is gladstone gander who is voiced by phil f Tompkins. um but Gladstone Grander is great because Donald Duck's gimmick is he has all of the bad luck in the world. And Gladstone's Gander's gimmick is he has all of the good luck in the world. That's funny. It, yeah, it's great. It's so much fun. It's just, 
he, he opens his wallet and a brisk and a crisp twenty dollars will just fall in his wallet. <laughs> I love Glad there's there's a bit where Gladstone Gander he bought he bought a lamp and you cut to him and he just goes Gladstone Gander, Gladstone Gander, Gladstone Gander, I am he. And there's also Fintany Duck who and this is why these people's love for DuckTales is insane, but Fintany exists in like three issues of Italian import duck comics. Who the fuck Incredible. read that? They did, I, I guess. Mean, I bet you. I bet fucking you did. <laughs> I didn't. Um, but Fentany Duck, his thing is he's a beatnik, and he's just... It's its an autism episode. There are a few of those. Um, but Fentany's just... He's just wired different. He's a weirdo. Like, the phone rings, and Uncle Donald and Scrooge are like... I don't want to talk to Fentany. Um... But it's a Huey episode because Huey is autism coded and uh, having an adult who can e- exist in the field he likes and be respected is very important to him. Right. Uh, then there is Scrooge McDuck, who's, ah, uh, it's it's David Tennant getting to be as Scottish as he ever wanted and essentially mm-hmm. uh, playing a doctor who doesn't complain about having to karate chop people. I love Scrooge. <laughs> um and Scrooge is more or less the main character. Um, and I, I don't want to say that because it's, it's it's all of them. Um, but Scrooge gets a lot. Uh, it's important to remember that Scrooge is a miser. He does have a money bin that he swims in. <laughs> it's just an obnoxious amount of wealth. <laughs> oh, God, I love Scrooge. And he also, he has an ego and he will... Uh, he will get hurt, and sometimes he gets mad at the kids, and it's always very important to remember Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby. They're kids. They act like kids. They do kid things. The episode where you meet Gladstone Gander, when they're in the fancy hotel, the window is kind of slanted, so you can put your hood out, and Webby's like, look! It looks like you're falling, but you're not! And then they all run to it, and it's like, oh yeah, you guys are you guys are kids. Um, there was a thing... Oh yeah, uh, one of my favorite Scrooge McDuck moments is he's getting trained for PR... He's getting media training because Agent 22 is like, you can't handle that. You're Scrooge McDuck. And he's like, I can do it. Agent 22 goes, oh, I love... Agent 22 is like, I love your accent. What part of the UK are you from? And Scrooge McDuck freaks the fuck out. (laughs) I love that bit. And then you cut back to him and he's like, and while Ireland and Scotland are closely related and have Celtic roots, they are very different. I just love that fucking bit. Oh yeah, Scrooge is great. Um, uh, the thing about Scrooge is, Scrooge is the get out of jail free card. You win if Scrooge is around. And my favorite bit is the final villain, through means, has a thing that erases you from reality. And he goes, Scrooge, I'm not going to throw you in this because if I threw you in this, you'd find a way out. Because he's Scrooge McDuck. Quicker, uh, tougher than the toughies, sharper than the sharpies. He earned his fortune fair and square. But you don't earn a fortune without making a few villains along the way. Which leads me into talking about the DuckTales villains, baby. Uh, so the first one. Yeah. Uh, which I'm excited about because it sounds like the family is plotted out meticulously enough that it might be difficult to create a Duck family trio C. But, but villains, I bet, is a different matter. Yeah. Okay. So the villains. And an interesting thing I noticed for the rewatch I did for this episode is there is a recurring theme with the villains saying, uh, 
a different version of, you know, your family dynamic is very confusing because they're right. It kind of is because it's a another part of the family dynamic is chosen family is important. And I didn't include Launchpad here, but I should because Launchpad's family. All of the friends are almost family. Um, but they say that because A, they're kind of right, but also B, none of the villains have good family dynamics or kind of understand family. Uh, and starting with is Ma Beagle, who I can never find a confirmation, but I believe is based off of Ma Barker, who is a real-world Ma boss? She's a fun character who we don't have enough time to get into, but essentially she ran... Uh, she raised her boys to be bank robbers and ran a crime lord being Airbnb and was really good at convincing her at convincing police to not arrest her kids. So that's just a fun fact for the real world. Uh, but yeah, that's Ma Beagle. Uh, they live in the junkyard and their thing is their family owned the deed to Duckburg. Scrooge won it from them and they forever won it back. Uh, and Ma's just kind of a doting, Ma, a doting mother who was forever disappointed in her failure sons. But the fun thing about Beagles, the fun thing about the Beagle Boys is much like G.I. Joe, there's a Beagle Boy for every situation. And there's a one of my favorite Beagle Boys who's just in a one-shoot uh, is Dark Magic Beagle Boy, who's a Beagle Boy who really wanted to be a magician. Um, but the Beagle Boys who get named... As you should. Uh, but the Beagle Boys who get named out are... The original classics, who are Burger, Big Time, and Bouncer. Bouncer's the the big one who is big, but a little smarter than you'd think. Burger is the middle child who... That's right, Burger. I think that's a good plan. And uh, Big Time is the short one who, more than any of the Beagle Boys, wants to impress his ma, but he is too fucking stupid to do it. <laughs> There's an episode where Ma Beagle kicks him out of the family. Oh, poor big time. So anyways, the original classics, the glam Yankees, the deja vus, the Sixth Avenue meanies, the Sixth Avenue friendlies, the longboard, ta- uh, the longboard taquitos, the deja vus, the tumble bumbles, the ugly failures, and the deja vus. And that's... Uh, that's funny. That's the beagles. That's that, a funny bit. Yeah, that's the beagles. They live in the dump. Um... And 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 these uh, when you say beagles, does that actually are they dogs? Yeah, they're they're uh, they're the be- okay, cool. they're, they're beagle doggies. Uh, Great. Then you get to uh, Flintheart Glomgold. I fucking love Glomgold so much, and this is going to be where I talk about more duck things. Um, but Flintheart Glomgold gets a whole episode, The Ballad of Duke Baloney, and before we get into that, Flintheart Glomgold is the poor man's version of Scrooge McDuck, but whereas Scrooge McDuck earned his fortunes fair and square, Flintheart Glomgold is a meticulous schemer. (laughs) He loves nothing more than a scheme that will involve sharks, (laughs) that will involve sharks and a pit, and maniacal laughing. Me too. So, the episode that uh, Flintheart Glomgold gets, because he gets more than most villains, is the palette of Duke Baloney because uh, when Flintheart Glomgold is originally introduced, he's South African in the Karl Barks comics. When he's reintroduced in the 80s cartoon, he's Scottish. And we've just kind of ignored it for forever. But this version found a way to combine those two things, but also create a wholly new Flintheart Glomgold. So this version of Flintheart Glomgold is starts as Duke Baloney 
And uh, Scrooge's origin is, as a shine, someone gave him a single American dime. And that inspires him to earn his fortune fair and square. And so when Scrooge meets a young Duke Baloney, uh, and he's inspired by his tenacity, he gives him a dime. But then Duke's response is, A dime? Shoe shines a dollar! Is I was trying to give you a metaphor, so you could. This is how I became the richest duck in the world. You're the richest duck in the world, and you gave me a dime. <laughs> <laughs> and so then Duke Baloney uh, dedicates his whole because <laughs> there's a point where he's like, "You think you're so rich and so Scottish," uh, and then he steals Scrooge's money clip. And earn, that's the start of his fortune and dedicates his entire life to becoming the Flintheart Glomgold persona to be more Scottish and more rich and uh, to destroy Scrooge McDuck. And that episode, like, it's funny, all these things I'm laying out, but when he gets to be Duke Baloney again, he gets to be happy and he's just a simple fisherman working at the docks. And he makes the conscious decision to be a better person, but then fate intervenes and he becomes Flintheart Glomgold again. And it's every time Flintheart Glomgold shows up, he does an evil laugh and like there's lightning crackle, but that's the one time it's played straight. And it it's surprisingly emotional when he says, Cause I'm Flintheart Glomgold and I always will be. And the lightning crackles behind him, which is a callback to an earlier one. Um, because there's an episode where Scrooge disappears and because it's his birthday and they invited all of the villains over because Louie didn't know who else to invite. And he's like, well, they're the people who know the most about Scrooge. Um, and they're like, it was Flintheart Glomgold. And they look at him and they're like, how'd you know it was me? And they go, because it's always you. <laughs> he's like, and it always will be in the lightning cracks. I love Glomgold, um, which leads me to talking about Allison. Allison's not a villain. She's just the secretary and she's tired of Flintheart Glumgold shenanigans because she she's not the secretary. She is the co-runner of Glumgold Industries, and she wants it to be a responsible and respected industry. But it's run by a madman who loves schemes. Cockamamie ones. Oh, Mark Beeks. Fuck, I hate Mark Beeks. Mark Beeks is the worst. He's a new age billionaire, so he's a... He's a Silicon Valley weirdo whose outfit is, uh, look at me, I'm chilling out in a hoodie, aren't I business casual? Mark Beeks is an ego, an egomaniac who is more worried about his social media presence. He starts as a as a Huey villain, um, because Huey respects, uh, someone who's all about innovation, but then you find out he's a liar. He just steals things and it hurts Huey, but he quickly becomes a Gizmo Duck villain. Uh, every episode with Gizmo Duck has Mark Beeks as the villain. Um, I hate Mark Beeks. He was left out of my DuckTales tattoo set because I don't want to get a tattoo of Mark Beeks because he's the fucking worst. <laughs> uh, Mark Beeks is one of the few times the fandom talked about being uncomfortable because this because this there are two bits uh, where Mark Beeks is threatening in a real world sense. But the thing that made people uncomfortable was the second. Mark Beeks finds out that Gizmo Duck is Latino because Gizmo Duck is voiced by Lin Manuel Miranda and his name is Fenton Quackshell Cabrera. He starts being like, Oh, hola, muchacho. What's up? Que paso? And it's like, Oh, you're microaggressing him because you're an oh, asshole. And the other one yeah. that gave me big red flags was there's an episode where, like, Gandra D, who we'll get to, she's working for Mark Beeks 
and he calls her and he goes, um, I don't like it when you're talking to other people because it makes me feel like I'm not the center of the universe and I don't like that. And I go, oh, you're, you're an, you're an abusive narcissist. They're not. That's just like a real asshole. Yeah. Mark Beeks is the fucking worst. (laughs) I hate Mark Beeks, dude. I don't want to, I don't want to take away from this discussion about how much we hate Mark Beeks. Um, uh, important a discussion as it is. Um, I do think we really, really just flew right over the part where you mentioned getting DuckTales tattoos. I think we just we just didn't really acknowledge that part of it. Oh, yeah. I also forgot to mention the part where I've... Uh, there's a... At least one friend is trying to turn the picture of me crying because of the DuckTales season finale into a meme, but also <laughs> I am working on a DuckTales tattoo set, uh... That's that's Robert, right? Yeah. That's that's, uh, that's Bob. That's Bobby boy. He's trying. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> shout out to Bob. We shouldn't shout out to Bob on this podcast. We're getting in trouble if we endorse him. <laughs> we will be canceled. But yeah, I'm I'm working on a Ducktales tattoo set. Um, when I post it, I'm gonna lie and say people commissioned me to do it because then it looks like oh I'm professional. But no, I just I I want that tattoo on my thigh. Um. And I'm almost done. I only have two more characters to get. But, uh, yeah, I left out Mark Beeks because Mark Beeks is the fucking worst. Da-da-da. Magic and Dispel, um, who is, I think, I think it's like Scrooge's arch villains. It's like a Green Goblin Doc Ock scenario where you can kind of pick and choose. I lean more to Flint, Heart, Glomgold. Uh, but Magic and Dispel is the main antagonist to Scrooge, who is a credible threat because of her awesome magical powers. Again, the duck villains don't know much about family. Uh, She treats Lena like shit. She's terrible to Lena, who's arguably her nephew or a magical creature. It's kind of up in the air, Uh, but she's terrible. But she's also very funny. Like, she's horrible and will... Like, she destroys a whole town because she got bored of the tributes they were giving her. So never forget, she's a bad person, but she's so much fun to watch. Like, when she loses her magic at one point, she has to get a day job at Fun Zone, and Glumgold's recruiting all the villains, and she's like, And we will come back when I have reclaimed my magic and declare war against the day manager and all children with birthdays! <laughs> and it's great. So yeah, she's the she is the, she is the duck villain who poses the most physical threat to scrooge um and she's she's just she's she's so evil and she just fucking loves it um then there's doofus drake who isn't really a villain so much as a weird a weird weird kid who got his fortune because his grand mama died and how do i summarize doofus drake he buys things with sticky nickels he's a strange boy who wants people and he's bad at peopling and he's kind of a louis villain because we meet him because louis trying to smoothie up to the richest kid in duckburg to get free stuff and everything goes wrong immediately because doofus drake is a weird boy who wants to give you his sticky nickels and keep you locked in his house for forever and he's and he'll just sniff you and he's like hello llewellyn and Someday we're going to talk about our OC Timmy from way back. Oh, <laughs> that's there's some overlap there, right? There is, there is some overlap there. Um, but he's kind of a Louis villain, 
kind of not, but he does lead me into talking about Goldie O'Gilt, whom I love. Oh, wait, I was supposed to talk about Don Cornage. That's fine. That leads me into talking about Don Cornage, who is kind of a Dewey villain. Um, but the thing about Don Cornage, Don Cornage, is that he is the main antagonist from Tailspin, who then has to be... So he's allowed to be this, like, multifaceted... There are layers to Don Carnage, right? But he gets to be in one episode of season one, and you have to truncate all of that into this one episode. So it's like, he's not the best villain. He is a uh, egotistical showboater who is a sky pirate who sings songs and wants to be the center of attention. So, of course... Hell yeah. So, of course... Hell yeah. So, of course, all of those things lead you to becoming the Dewey villain. And he, importantly is the one villain uh, because none of the villains are really villains for the kids. They're all really Scrooge villains, but Don Carnage doesn't give a fuck about Scrooge McDuck. He very specifically does not like Louis Duck. His beef is with a child. Uh, and so then Goldie O'Gilt, who is the last one of the villains because she's not really a villain. She's Scrooge's Catwoman. Sort of a deuteragonist figure. Yeah, she's she's self and she Glumgold earns his fortune with schemes, and he is malicious. He will hurt people. Goldie O'Gilt won't hurt people, but she's self-interested. And uh, the episode where she's introduced, the boys are so into teasing Scrooge about his girlfriend and going on a date, and it's adorable. Um, But I think the best way to summarize uh, the relationship between Goldie and Scrooge, because it's cute and I love it, it's like Zoe and Mal, but it's this exchange they have in the... The Glabshirts of Gold Lagoon, season one, uh, where Scrooge goes, like, the reason the feud got reignited after we had kind of discovered we loved each other was because you loved gold more than you ever loved me. And Goldie O'Gilt replies, and you loved me because I loved gold. And, ah, uh, I just, I want those two kids to be happy. But um, mm. very important for Goldie O'Gilt is she has a whole episode with Louis Duck where they're trying to scam doofus drake out of some money prizes and it's really cute watching them play off of each other and she does uh she legitimately likes louis duck because in season three her episode where she gets to like start to be a better person she's gonna run away and screw everyone over but louis goes save yourself and she goes i always do and she looks back and it's louis and she's like and she stays and she fights and she helps the family and i love it that's Han Solo, baby. Yeah. That's a good old-fashioned Han Solo right there. And she's great. Uh, and then we get to Friends of the Family, Launchpad McQuack, who's great. Um, Launchpad is the character... Hey, like that song from Scott Pilgrim. Oh! Oh, really? Did I just did I just do that you, for you? Yeah, you just did a thing. Yeah, uh, there's the song that Sex Mom plays, and and he says the song is called Launchpad McQuack, um, and then and then Stephen Still says that's not the final name of the song because he's trying to save face by making it look like they didn't name a song after a character from Ducktales. <laughs> so Launchpad McQuack is the character who is too stupid to exist, um, and his voice actor describes Launchpad as love. Launchpad is pure unabashed enthusiasm and he loves everything himbo himbo yes. himbo Launchpad's himbo. A himbo and his uh, his favorite thing in the world is uh the 
Duckwing show that exists in his universe, and we'll get to that in a second, but Launchpad is the character who's too stupid to exist, and because the thing about the seasons is I think season one, two, three, I like them in that order. They progressively get better, and it's not that season one is bad, but it's like growing pains, because whose favorite whose favorite season of Avatar is Book One Water, am I right? I wouldn't know. So here's my question about Launchpad. Um, uh, his, la- his last name is McQuack. Um, so it doesn't sound like he's, like, related, but it does, from the one episode I watched, feel like he's, like, in the family in some way. Yes. Uh, Launchpad is Scrooge McDuck's, uh, personal driver and the family pilot, and because it's about family, and chosen family is very big important, so Launchpad is not related to them by blood, but he's an honorary member of the family. Do we know what the deal is with Launchpad's... Uh, uh, Biofam? Launchpad's family? Um, it's not talked about much. Uh, most of Launchpad's adventures kind of happen off-screen. There's a bunch of, like, allusions to Launchpad's girlfriends and adventures he has. I think his family gets a little more laid out in the original show and or Darkwing Duck, because Launchpad existed in both the 80s DuckTales and Darkwing Duck simultaneously, but they never talked about it. Funny. Uh, but yeah, the the seasons thing. So like season one, you introduce the characters um, and you get to, you, you know, you have to establish things. Season two, you can play around with the dynamics and introduce new things. And so much of season two is about Della Duck being a mom, but she missed 10 years of her kid's life. So she doesn't know how to do it immediately. And she has to earn these relationships organically and it's beautiful and then season three the dynamics are so strong that you can just jump right into the heart of everything and every ending of episodes in season three makes me tear up all this to say uh from episode one launchpad is the character uh, launchpad introduces the main theme of the show which is echoed in the first and last episode, which is, I guess family truly is the greatest adventure of all time. Um, but so Launchpad is the character who's too stupid to exist. And through chicanery, there's like a stupid ray and it's going to be shot at the count at the town. And Launchpad's like, who could survive? And Dewey's like, no one could survive that. They'd be too stupid. And Launchpad sacrifices himself because he's been shot with it and it makes smart Ray so he's smart so he sacrifices himself to the stupid Ray because he's the character who's too stupid to exist and the song that was introduced in the beginning I'm not good enough for you plays because he just wants to be good enough for his best friend Dewey and I cry oh I love that fucking episode I love DuckTales a lot if you haven't been able to tell do you? Actually, no. I hate it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a th- <laughs> uh, I'm gonna make a three hour video of Ducktales 2017 sucks and here's why. <laughs> uh, but Launchpad's favorite thing is the in universe show, Darkwing Duck, which is essentially Adam West Batman. Um, and then Darkwing Duck is introduced in the real show with a gritty reboot because Launchpad gets a whole episode about. Um, negative fan culture and the backlash he has to the new version and the ownership you feel over a thing you don't have ownership of because fandom is a complicated thing he gets an whole episode about that and darkwing duck is introduced um and darkwing duck is drake mallard who was a kid who grew up loving darkwing duck and now he gets to be darkwing duck in real life it's really cute you also meet gosling duck who is his uh fun ward sidekick and speaking of darkwing duck and superheroes 
Um, do you know anything about Darkwing Duck? No. Okay, so I do have to summarize it real quick. Okay, uh, Darkwing Duck is Batman, but Disney Afternoon and a duck who every introduction will be like, I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the overstuffed burrito that spills onto the lap of villainy. I am... And he, like, is Donald Duck, but he, like, isn't Donald Duck. I've always been a little unclear about how the whole canonicity of that works. No, uh, Darkwing Duck has no... Darkwing Duck is just his superhero name. Uh, His real name is, like, Drake Mallard. Um, Okay, not related then, other than just same franchise. Yeah, no. Uh, There is a Donald Duck superhero, but his name is LeQuack. That is Donald Duck becomes a superhero. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Darkwing Duck. He has an enormous ego, and it's funny to watch Jim Cumming uh, be a Batman with an ego. That's original Darkwing. That's more, this Darkwing is a little more altruistic. Uh, he fights the original actor who played Darkwing, and it's really fun. I don't want to spoil too much of that, because that's an episode I want people to watch. But talking about superheroes, the Duck first leads me into... Gizmo Duck, who is Fenton Quackshell Cabrera, who is voiced by Lin Manuel Miranda, and there is a quote he has in an episode with Gandra D that sums him up pretty well, which is, "Oh, an innovative energy generator from a mild-mannered source." Uh, but that's Fenton Quackshell Cabrera. He talks too much and wants desperately to be good at science, um, but no one tends to listen to him, and he gets. Uh, the thing that's interesting about this version of Gizmo Duck is it's not about the Gizmo Duck armor; it is about Fenton, the person underneath and who he is and his episode in season two is all about wanting people to respect him as Fenton and not just as Gizmoduck. And I love Fenton Crackshell Cabrera, this uh, try-hard, wholehearted, in-it boy who's kind of too stupid to notice <laughs> when he's being disrespected because Gyro Gearloo, so we'll get to it in a second, he gives him an office in the toilet and, friend, <laughs> and he was like, your office is a toilet? <laughs> uh Gyro told me this was the best place for all my ideas. I'm now putting together that, that might not have been a compliment. Uh, but his girl, and then that leads into Gandra D, who is a member of FAL. I'm not going to get into FAL. Um, they're the the fiendish organization for World Larceny. They're the big villains for season three. Um, I don't think the. I'm also not going to talk about Lunaris. Uh, these are the, the the villains who I brought up are the ones I want to talk about. Um, the fun villain in FAL is Black Heron, who's the villain who's like, no, we're villains. Be evil. It's fun to be evil. That's right. Yeah, uh, but Gandra D. I mean, I assume I I would never be. Evil. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't um, do that. If if any superheroes are listening to this, I just want it on the record that I would never be evil, and I certainly don't have any alter ego who does. We at no point genocided a race when we played D and D. I mean, that's just D and D. That's normal shit. Um, <laughs> who hasn't done a little bit of racial cleansing in Dungeons and Dragons once in a while? Christ. <laughs> When you say it like that. I hate that. I hate that I just said that. Um, There's a reason when I make them novels, I I don't include that bit. Our characters were not good people. We were the villains for the first half of that campaign. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Gandra D is a punk rock scientist who doesn't like lab coats, man. All those suits who want you to do science for money. Science is about learning things. Um, but Gandra D and Fenton start a relationship, and it's pretty cute because they're on, like, you know, one's a hero, one's a villain. 
pretty dirty hijinks ensue. It's mostly him hiding from his mom that he has a girlfriend because he has an overbearing Latina mom. And it's great. All can some Canadians are French. That's my favorite fucking shit post from DuckTales. I'm not gonna give context. Some Canadians are French. Some Canadians are French. Cool. Which leads into Gyro Gearloose, who is the maddest scientist, and he's voiced by uh, the Dean from Community. Yeah, that makes sense. That works. Yeah, but he's the maddest scientist, and the quickest way to sum him up is uh, when the moon invades, he's like, Solution? Clone army. I don't know why we're still talking about this. Let me get the clone spray. And then later, one of him gets vaporized, and uh, and Fenton's like, Professor Gearloose! And he goes, That was a clone! Then that one gets shot. Actually, we don't know which one is the original. We're just kind of going with it. And that's Gyro Gearloose, um, which is, and he's also very cynical and angry, which is a hard departure from the original Gyro Gearloose, who is a altruistic and optimistic scientist. Um, and we learn about that in his oranges with uh, Boyd, who I don't want to spoil anything about Boyd because Astro Boyd is a beautiful episode, and I cry so much thinking about it. Um, but when, Gy- but like I said in the beginning, when Gyro Gyro says Boyd is definitely a real boy, it breaks my heart. You keep making all these promises. Someday you're gonna, we're going to actually get you to cry on an episode live on uh, air. That's the ultimate goal of this podcast. If I think too hard about some moments from DuckTales, I probably will. Um, but Boyd is definitely a real boy, and he has a sweetheart and a cupcake, and he deserves everything good in the world. That's all I want to say about him. Please watch the episode Astro Boyd. I have a whole TikTok about Easter eggs about it. And then there is Manny the Headless Man Horse, who is a side character named Manny the Headless Man Horse. Is he what it sounds like? He's exactly what it sounds like. He gets a voice at one point, and he's voiced by Keith David. And people who know what that means will know what that means. People who don't. Sorry. And there's also Little Bulb, uh, who is Gyro's first experiment we meet in the show, who's just a little a little light bulb robot, and he's really cute, and he gets a surprising amount of character. Um, but I love the bulbs. I just want to bring them up. They are included. Bulb is included in my tattoo set. That's a fun fact. Uh, Penumbra, who is Della Duck's best friend. Um, this is or is this just every fucking character who's ever appeared in the show? Mm. Are there this many recurring characters? Uh, I leave out a few, so there is that. Um, but yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Penny, uh, who is a confirmed lesbian. So lesbians exist in the show. Uh, yeah, so she goes on a date. Yeah, she goes out on a date with Launchpad, and because Penny is Penny, the date goes bad, and she goes, "I don't like this." She stands up and she leaves. <laughs> Uh, three Cabaneros. I just want to shout them out real quick because I'm a beaner. I love the Three Caballeros. Uh, and they get to show up, and it's the first time they get to be voiced um, by people of that ethnic background. So just, that's cool. Yeah. And then before we leave, because this is the very end, uh, Jin, I don't have much to say, but he's really cool. He gets a whole episode where he's trying to find the lamp. And uh, I, I will be remiss if I don't talk about uh, Celine and Storkules. Selene, okay, because mythology is canon, and you meet Greek gods. Uh, Selene is the goddess of the moon, and she's friends with Della Duck. But Storkules, we said Launchpad's a himbo. Launchpad is a himbo. Storkules is the himbo. And his thing is he loves Donald. He loves Donald Duck so much. That's his best friend, and he wants nothing but the best for Donald, and Donald's so tired. <laughs> I just I love Storkules. I always want to bring Storkules up. My favorite Storkules moment is like he's like they're trying to fight the moon and he's and Zeus is like, oh if the 
If the mortals jumped off a cliff, would you follow them? Yes, father, I would jump off a cliff, for I am immortal. I love Storkiles. I love him so much. He's such a good boy. And he 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 gets an episode where like he's trying to make sure Donald and Della have a good date because he loves his best friend Donald and he wants them to have a great date, but he's too overzealous about how much he loves Donald and he makes it awkward. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Storkily. So that is the characters. I left some out, uh, but not a lot. Not a lot got left out because I love, I love them all so much. Um, so yeah, uh, let's, an hour in. Let's create an OC. Yeah, so this is already 10 minutes longer than our usual, than a, the, the total length of a normal episode. Do we want to, uh, do we want to, like, speedrun make a character here? Or... We could, uh, we could make it a two-parter. Oh my fucking god. Um, if it was going to be a two-parter, I would have already wanted to have split it <laughs> before this moment. Um, I think we're too, we're too late into it now. We're yeah, committing. we're committing. This is just going to be a fucking. Some episodes are just long. A, a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a Christmas special double length episode. Spoilers. Is it near Christmas? Fuck Spoilers. You. Like when we do, I, I, I set up top first of many that will run long. The Berserk episode will be very fucking long. Terrifying, horrible to consider. But I know some Berserk people, and I could probably get them to listen Ooh, to it. God, I love. I'm, uh, Berserk. I have so many hangups about talking about berserk critically because it's my favorite thing and i don't want to misrepresent it and why it works and why it succeeds and because to me one time we played pathfinder and you named your character guts and then you characterized your character to be like guts i I don't think he was that much like guts i just but yeah i uh, i uh, I have so many hangups. <laughs> I wanted to cover Berserk for so long, and I'm always like, "No, I'll do it wrong," and then people won't understand that it's the best thing in the world. Anyways, Ducktales. So I, I do, I do actually have like a couple of ideas that sprang from okay, that cool. floating I around. Al- I expect that you probably have some ideas also bringing coming uh, into this. I do. I will, I will shoot mine out real quick, and we can ignore both of them okay. because I've talked for an hour. Um, but my two ideas were Della Duck goes on a date, hijinks ensue, because, like, Della has kids, she's interested in dating, and I just think, that's a fun bottle episode where, like, guy tries to date Della, what happens when he meets her crazy family, I think most of that, you write that episode, and it's, how do the boys react, and it's Dewey is like, no, he's gonna take my mom away, Huey is gung-ho, loves it because love, Louie, eh, can take it or leave it but then it's dewey convinces louie to team up with him because what if this guy takes some of our inheritance and then huey teams up with webby because webby also loves love and just the kids uh, continuously ruining and then not ruining the date i just i wrote an episode of ducktales everyone that that sounds like a fun that sounds like a fun episode i feel like the character that we've created there just naturally wants to be sort of boring (laughs) yeah he's just a boring dude um the other idea i had and i didn't have a concrete idea um but was i wanted a villain for the kids like a kid level villain and someone who's important to them because the villains i brought up they're they're scrooge villains they're not huey louie or dewey villains like uh fucking mark beaks is 
uh, is is a gizmo duck villain because Mark Beeks is an egotistical person who only cares about the the shallow outward appearance, and Fenton Crackshell Cabrera is about the person inside. Oh, I want to bring up this really great joke Mark Beeks has because through chicanery he becomes like he like hulks out. And I don't remember the setup, but someone goes, where's your heart? And he goes, it's somewhere under these righteous packs. <laughs> what a cunt. Uh, so those are my two ideas. A villain for the kids and boyfriend for Della for an episode. I totally am excited about villain for the kids. Um, I think it meshes well with the, the vague ideas that I had. Um, uh, which, so... I'm noticing like a real theme of 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 groups of three characters in this, right? You've got you've got your Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yep. Um, uh, there was like at least one antagonistic group that was that was a group of three Beagle people. Boys, Bouncer, um, Big Time, and Burger. Yeah, Beagle Boys. And I thought, a, it would be fun to do a set of three people, like a, a you know a villain that's three of them, for example. And then also, um. Family being such a strong theme in in like the core cast, but I don't know. I think about like I think about like how in Spider Man, um, like every every major villain is uh is like is a is a riff on the theme of responsibility, yeah. right? Um, and it seems like the main way in which you've described all of these villains as having a relationship with the concept of family is largely just that they don't, right? Um, and I thought maybe it would be interesting if we could have a villain who is maybe like family to another character or or who are family with each other um, uh, and, and are... are, are are a different take on the idea of family and like and like conflict that can arise from that or, or ways in which it cannot be good right um uh uh and 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 e like an easy way to do that on an adult scale would be like um uh if you had parents who were shitty to their kids right that's like a that's like a way in which you have family as a core theme of the character but it's used in an antagonistic way and it lets you more fully explore the concept. Um, so I don't know, maybe you have, I like some way of incorporating those ideas into a set of three like villains to, for, for the kids, parallel villains for them. Um, those are, those are some, those are some concepts that I had while you were talking. Do any of those hit anything for you? Um, I like it. I do feel a need to be like, um, well, Magic at a Spell is shitty to her niece, Lena, and Ma Beagle is kind of shitty to all of her boys. Totally. So we, we go in, we'd have a different tack yeah. than that. So yeah, um, what other ways? Oh yeah, Mark Beeks, this is mom, I forgot to bring up, but you meet Mark Beeks' mom in an episode and it answers every question about why Mark Beeks is the way he is when you find out his mom is this shallow career woman whose career is media trend setting and you just get that this is a neglected boy who just wants someone to think he's special but yeah uh so what other ways can family be shitty um what if what if you have what if like family as like a like a bad example like what if you have like like 
like three antagonistic kids um uh who are only antagonistic because they're learning it from their family ah. um and you get the sense that the that that the kids are like that they they could have a zuko you know they could pull a zuko on us um but right now they suck because it's what they've it's what they've learned. Yeah, uh, like so we'll we'll meet them and they're shitty, and then they'll get their second episode where you do a catra and you uh, show that this is learned behavior from their parents, right? What if we just we just keep riffing on this bit, but we bring up a new animated character every time? <laughs> we can if we can find a will, we can find a way. Um. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Uh. Uh. You've just listed off a hundred thousand Ducktales characters. Do any of them, any among them, feel like they might have kids or cousins um, who might make viable candidates to be antagonists for Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Um, there's a part of me that wants to say there's no way Gladstone Gander doesn't fuck, and there is no way Gladstone Gander, Gladstone Gander would be an absentee dad. I don't know, like that makes sense. I don't know if that's where I want to go with it. I think what I would want to do is magic a dispel is like lena was a good idea but she failed me because she became attached to webby what if i make new kids and they don't get attached i like that and and the new kids like that like that explains why she has such a strong influence over them right um is because she designed them that way yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. Um, uh, yeah, Rowdy Rough Boys, but DuckTales. See, we, we did it. Yeah, Rowdy Rough Boys, but DuckTales. Um, uh, so, how, yeah. I think the next place we'd go is um, how these triplets would play off Huey, Louie, and Dewey. And do we want one for I Webby? I don't have as strong of a sense. It feels to me like um, Webby is also there, but Huey, Dewey, and Louie are like the main, like, like, like triad here they're the main the main focal point of the show yeah um a strength of ducktales is some episodes don't have characters and you don't notice because they're just so strong um but yeah these are specifically for huey louie and dewey so um yeah let's let's go over the boys opposite what is the what is the negaverse huey so uh, opposite is such a complicated concept like like the two ways that i imagine this going are either like someone who is as type A as Huey and a has it as under control, um, uh, but like is a dick about it. Your your fascist roommate Deborah and you know hates love. Or opposite here can mean like someone who uh, uh, has like has no interest in in all of the like organizational systems and someone who is like specifically chaotic. Um, uh, and, and, and resists attempts to be, like, put into an order. I, my eyes perked up at the first one, but I think the second one would be more emotionally resonant for Huey, who struggles with uh, the side of him, that because he does pick up the Duck family anger thing, and he calls it the Duke of Making a Mess. So I, and he describes the Duke of Making a Mess as pure chaos, so I do think a villain who is all about chaos would really mess with Huey. Okay, cool. So they're all about chaos. Maybe they have a mirror of the Duke where they like 
like we we give them some kind of a compulsion towards order that they struggle with. Ooh. Yeah, he's got his own alter ego brainscape who does like what the if, order. What if Kylo Ren is what if Kylo Ren is tempted towards the light oh, side? Oh man, that would be a good movie. Wouldn't that be <laughs> Um Oh man, the number of Star Wars episodes we're gonna get to eventually. Um, <laughs> it's just, dude, we're gonna have a Star Wars month. We actually probably should. That would actually be that would actually yeah, that own. makes the most sense. Um, let's yeah, we should figure that out at some point. Anyway, uh, oh oh okay, I just real quick their names because um, yeah. we're bad at naming. But there's this great bit where she meets Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and Della's like, "That's not their names. It's supposed to be Jet, Turbo, and Rebel." I even wrote it down in case no one could understand Donald. And I think their name should be Jet Turbo and Rebel. Cool. I'm in it. I'm into it. Um, All right. So Jet, the the counterpoint to Huey. Yeah. Can we have her be a girl? Yeah. I want Jet to be yeah, a sure. girl. Yeah, I sure. Just, why not? That's better for me. Chaos girl who doesn't want to be orderly. But she kind of does. Um, why? What is What is that? What's What's motivating that? Um. That like. I think it would be. Um, because she's born of magic, she knows that there is, like, some rules to the nonsense, and there's a part of her that wants to, to explore that as much as, because the part of her that wants to explore that is pushed down by magic and a spell who says, no, magic's a feeling, it's not a numbers thing, but she repeatedly notices ways in which it kind of is a numbers thing, like, you put X amount of things into potion, and it's like chemistry, right? It's chemistry, but magic. What if I'm okay? So, so they're from magic, right? Um, maybe they, maybe they, they, they interact with magic in some way. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw a little bit from my own experience with this one. What if she like likes the chaos and strives for the chaos, but she like gets overstimulated, and so like when she gets especially stressed. And therefore, when you have an especially dramatic moment in the story of the episode that you're telling, the, like, thing that helps her and calms her down is being able to, like, break things down into their component parts and to order things um, and to, like, look at the rules of what she's doing. And she doesn't want to um, because she likes chaos and it's, the, it's, a, it's an important part of her own, like, sense of self. But it is a thing that she that helps her and that she knows helps her and that she tries to resist, but is a thing that like she falls into when she gets stressed enough. Does that make sense as a, as a dramatic? I like that. I like that more than mine. Oh man. I'm already, I'm already in my brain seeing rebel and Huey helping each other become more of a better. I love DuckTales so much. Cool. Then we, we've that's, that's, that's jet baby. Uh, Rebel. So Louie's counterpart, uh, so Louis is the the schemer, the noble schemer, who is lazy, and he's interested in the money thing. He likes the money bit. There's this uh, episode in season one where they need to find the gold, and Lou and Louis immediately finds it because he's like, "Yeah, real gold is heavier than fake gold, so it would sink to the bottom." And they look at him, they're like, "What? You're into nerd things? I'm into gold." He also t- he also starts Louis Incorporated, and he has a bunch of trademarks. It's a, just a it's a recurring thing. He takes a nap when Huey's explaining something. He's like, oh, sorry, I was taking a Hughes. That's a nap I take when Huey's explaining nerd things. You're a trademark, Louie Duck. Cute. So is Rebel an ignoble schemer? Is Rebel a pirate? Is Rebel... A thing I think would be funny 
and I don't know if uh, we go down this route, but I just think a funny gag would be Rebel is also lazy, so Louie and Rebel get along immediately. Like, they don't they don't have... They just, like, eh, and they pop open the... <laughs> there isn't a conflict between those two. <laughs> yeah, they two. both pop open the pep and sit down. They're like, I like you. I like you, too. I actually like that a lot, yeah. And then the other two have conflict. Yeah, I like that, especially since their name is Rebel. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just... I like that for someone named Rebel. And then there's Turbo. Dewey's opposite, um... How would I talk more about... How does he do it? I don't know. Oh, there's this great bit where Dewey... um, They introduced uh, Only Child Day. And Dewey's thing he does by himself is he makes his own late night show. And it's called Dewey Tonight! Dewey always says Dewey it or some variation of that. Like the Dewlock Ness Monster or something like that. And then his big character moment. Because Dewey just wants to be famous for something but doesn't want to develop the skill... And then in season three, he does develop that skill. And in a very serious moment, uh, Huey goes, let's do it. And Dewey goes, no, we're not. No, this is serious. We have to save mom. I didn't I didn't think the moment would be he doesn't say do it. And it's great when that happens. So how do we how do we do we a counterpart to that? Ha 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 ha. So, so what is Dewey's core thing then? That was that was several talking, but I'm not I'm not sure. Okay, um, Dewey is a middle child who wants desperately to not be forgotten and to be the shining star attraction. And for a lot of the show, he doesn't really have a way to do it. He just knows he wants to, and uh, is very invested in having a loud personality. Uh, to be a showboater and to be seen um, whenever someone goes, you did it. Just ordinary. Dewey gets really upset because Dewey, a la Griffith, does not want to be ordinary. He wants to be better than. How does he do it? So so counterpoint then is just someone who is effortlessly cool and beloved by everyone without needing to try. Oh, right? okay. So R- Turbo is the Dewey who exists in Dewey's dreamscape where he's the main character in a high school drama yeah turbo is just a total chad who crushes mad puss <laughs> on the reg it's a pussy uh, crusher. without without needing to try <laughs> yeah that feels that feels that feels pretty uncomplicated to me i like that um yeah that- and then and then so they're 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 created by magic to do some mischief right should their stakes be should like should like should they have like the kind of arch villainous stakes or should we find a way to like tamp their stakes down to make them appropriate enemies for the kids or is the appropriate enemy for the kids a, a fucking evil world ending trio of villains um i think both can be correct because the kids in kind of each season finale ender an adult figure will be like don't come this is too dangerous and then the kids show up. They don't run away from the magic war. They don't run away from the moon invasion. They don't run away from Fal. They run head into it. Um, by the end of season three, Louis like, you already know what's going to happen. You're going to tell us not to come and we're going to show up and save the day. Let us do this. Um, so I think a fun thing would be when they're first introduced, it's low stakes. And Magicka will get like progressively more mad at their failures and the stakes get upped to the point where they do have like 
magic chicanery. I think that could be fun. So some episodes will be like more low stakes. You're just kind of a high school bully. And then some stakes will be we've kidnapped your parents in the magic realm and they will be eaten. Yeah. Llewellyn. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Do they have a color scheme? Also, what kind of animal? Are they ducks? What's I know there's a bunch of animals in the show. Um, uh, I would go with ducks because I don't know, it just feels cool. right. If I don't, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think. Does Magica Magica does make things into other bird? No. Um. Okay. What you could do is make them crows because Poe dispels Magica's brother, who gets turned into a crow. Um. And maybe she said, and that's maybe the one positive relationship magic had was with Poe and it really hurts her when she loses him to becoming a crow. So maybe on a subconscious level, she did that because she misses her brother. 100% we're making them crows. No question. Yeah. Should we give them a color scheme? Right? Like the, like the boys have, the boys have their different colored shirts. Yeah. Uh, Um, What is, uh, how do we, how do we distinguish between these crows visually? uh, You pick colors that match. Uh, what what colors are complementary? Orange. I mean, what do we? Purple is. Yeah. What do we have right now? We have we have red, green, blue for our currents. Yeah. So what if we just go across the color wheel for each of them? Oh no, shit! Red and green are already across the color wheel from each other. Fuck. Um, I know that orange and purple complement each other, so they make a distinct pop, and then you just have to pick another one that makes sense with that. That's a way we could go. Yeah, I mean, the remaining colors that we don't have are what, like, uh, pink. Um, pink. Uh, pink is webbing. Oh, fuck, you're right. So then I guess it's orange, purple, yellow, right? Those are our three. That or it could just be a repeat of Huey, Dewey, and Louie, but in a turned down saturation because DuckTales, I, I went over a lot of characters in DuckTales. They cover most of the color wheel. That makes sense, yep. Yeah, I kind of like uh <laughs> just like repeat but lower saturation like pastel versions of the original colors yeah Yeah, i'm into that cool um so there are two questions which is we ended on the visual but um do jet turbo and rebel get a redemption arc like at the end of season three when the full extended family are together are they in the group shot now the expected thing is to say yes Maybe the more interesting thing is to say no. In keeping with bringing up another animated show, there's an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Back to the Future. No, it's Back to the Sewer. No, Fast Forward. Fuck, there's so many Ninja Turtles. In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fast Forward, where there are evil clones of the Ninja Turtles, and there's an episode where Leonardo uh, teaches his evil counterpart Patience and they don't become members of the turtle family, but that brother becomes a better person and is better at leading his family, and there's the potential that they will be better people. Maybe we do that, and maybe it's Rebel develops a relationship with Huey where they both get to learn and be better, and it's not that she now joins the McDuck family, but she does have a respect for Huey and can now help her family be better yeah i kind of i don't think we like make the mcduck family adopt these three fuckers who have caused them a lot of problems um but maybe we let them off into the sunset with like a promise to do better in future yeah that feels that feels nice cool 
Great. Hell yeah. Um, the visual flourish. Go. Oh, shit. I didn't actually have one. I was hoping you did. Chaos Punk kind of writes itself. I think Broken Glasses, that really sums that up, right? Yeah, Broken Glasses makes sense to me. Um, Yeah, Chad Boy. He's got a big chest. He's in a Letterman jacket. Uh, yeah, naturally. Uh, what what would be good for Rebel? I want to say baggy pants. I don't know why, but I'm like baggy pants. Would it be weird that we put pants on one of them? Would that like draw attention to the fact that none of the rest of them are wearing pants? Uh, I'm trying to think. Who has pants? Goldie O'Gilt, Mark Beeks, Gyro Gear. Would it draw attention to the fact that she's just wearing pants, but she doesn't have a shirt on? Would I don't know. Like. That's not necessarily a problem, but it might have the entire audience go, hmm, is this weird? Is it weird? Does it mean that the birds are topless? What's going on there? I mean, there is... You know, like in the way that in Cats 2019, McCavity takes his clothes off and... Uh, That's weird. They're like, all naked. Fur is, is Idris Elba colored. That's weird. That's weird. Weird. There is an episode where uh, Webby and Dewey feed ducks... And the only one to question it is Penny because she's from the moon. As I would if I was from the moon. I don't know. It seems to me like having baggy pants would cause a lot of excess problems. But what if we had like... I'm trying to I'm trying to embody the spirit of baggy pants in other ways. Like backwards snapback or like a shit ton of, of really big bracelets, you know? I'm just trying to think of what's... What is the laziest bracelet? A slap-on bracelet? <laughs> yeah. Slap on, I, I like it, but just slap on bracelets. Yeah, so like, Louis will often put his hands in pockets, and Rebel will just slap on a slap on bracelet. Yeah, cool. Alright, we did it. Those are some characters. Those are some characters. Jet Turbo and Rebel. Wow, thank you all for joining us for this mega fucking double length episode. Thank you for indulging me what a, in DuckTales. What a meaty boy this was. It's a very important What a turgid, show. erect episode that we've just created. I wept like a baby because I didn't realize I wasn't ready to say goodbye to these animated ducks. Oh, is the show over? Is it resolved? Yeah, uh, season three is the ender uh, and it's over. Wow, cool. You can you can find the entirety of DuckTales right now streaming on Disney Plus. Please give your money to this giant mega corporation the, and tell them we sent you. That's the mission statement of this show. They need it. Um they need it. <laughs> they sure need it more than we do. They so. don't have enough of it. Okay, cool. Great. Tune in next week um when Devin will be trying to get us to do an episode about professional wrestling. Um, and instead, we do an episode on a horror movie slasher villains. That will be fun. I'm curious to see what we talk about. And, you know, the banter. I'm also curious. The, I don't think it's going to be an hour and a half long. It probably won't. But the banter that ensues will be fun. And through that banter, I will do everything in my power to monetize our friendship. Absolutely. Um, cool. Great. Bye. Bye.